A Christie's representative called him a leader in the digital art community. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry, I just had to look up the word fungible. <laughs> happening nothing just feel like a like a rag doll like a schmutter doll <clears throat> feeling a little under the weather like i just came back from burgain after 18 hours oh, no a long bender i still you know i still have like vivid visceral memories from those weekends it's crazy they're etched they're etched oh in my, my consciousness <laughs> <laughs> like the weirdest thing is that i would come back after uh I don't know how many hours at the club and uh, you wouldn't really be able to fall asleep properly. Sorry if I'm like teasing <laughs> all those club kids out there <laughs> who are just dying to go out. Wearing it as a badge of honor. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd come back home and I'd try to sleep and it, w- it would be like a, just a haze of days of like uh, eight hours of just recovering from the experience and like looking back at it. I'm like, who was that person? <laughs> and it was sort of before the age of instagram i guess it was sort of beginning of the peak of facebook and so i i think on my camera roll on my phone i have like pictures of how dirty my shoes were when i came back from the party <laughs> my low tops uh air force ones <laughs> that that was a badge of honor in those days Wait, was that on your Razor phone? I never had one. <laughs> My ex-boyfriend did have one, and there's a candid shot of me passed out just sleeping in a panorama bar in 2008, I guess, when I just moved to the city. <laughs> he had snapped a picture of me, and I sort of I reposted like once a year. Mm. Um, yes, I remember that one, actually. That's a good one. Yeah, You're very felt in it. A very Snatched. twinkish. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of twinks... <laughs> well that's gonna be me this summer um because i'm back on my fit challenge (laughs) which is tell us more now that i'm not uh (laughs) um it's using my fitness pal for healthy calorie counting Mm -hmm. (laughs) because uh i'm home now i got back on sunday back from southeastern poland Mm mm-hmm so I'm uh, not getting a mall pizza with my parents to go every day. <laughs> I feel like just by way of your lifestyle in rural Poland with all the digging your car out of the snow, pushing it on the highway because oh <laughs> it broke down, installing a roof, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you, should, you should be pretty snatched and fit. Just uh, I know, but I actually wasn't down. doing any of it. So that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> my you most meat sorry you you had people install the roof and you were baking cookies you told me basically (laughs) (laughs) somebody's got a queen (laughs) exactly okay barbara bush (laughs) yeah those cookies are not gonna bake themselves (laughs) uh my poor father with his broken spine was up on the roof with two of the neighbors oh my god meanwhile the gay son is baking cookies well it's uh didn't he ask you if uh if your gayness showed up on your 23andMe test. <laughs> he did. God, he he needs a Showtime comedy special. He's so funny. He should. He, he has Jordan, so many zingers. 
Jordan often tells me that I need to get a like a uh, a sitcom for me and Kasha. <laughs> yes. Because there's there's so many exchanges like throughout the day where I like where I get playful with her when we uh, have conversations when she gets rowdy. Mm. Yeah. Anywho, <clears throat> how was your uh, week? Good. Um. So as I said, I got back Sunday. The house was three degrees jesus do you live in houston <laughs> yeah exactly and basically yesterday was the first day it was its proper temperature after just like non-stop heating it uh if anyone's listening right now um which according to the stats of last week they're not <laughs> <laughs> wait what, what were last week's uh, stats Last week was like our worst listened to episode yet. I don't understand. Like, really? Because I've been yeah. getting some. I've been getting some feedback uh, this past week. Oh, that's people great. Who, who listen to us? Oh, that's great. I guess you know it's uh, it's qual it's the quality of the feedback. It's not the quantity. It's true, you're right. Our base is uh, very strong. Yeah. No, we, we have can, a strong base. Yeah, we can shoot someone on Fifth Avenue, <laughs> not lose any listeners. <sighs> Um, well, if anyone's listening right now, I'm in Berlin right now because it's Thursday. <laughs> Today's my move-in day back to Berlin. But if anyone asks, I'm actually living in Poland. <laughs> Do you have to quarantine upon arrival? Uh... I do, but friend of the pod, Ika, said that I should... Instead of doing... Mm-hmm. And keep that on me, and um, because I'm just digging myself into a hole. <laughs> By the way, I apologize for all the beeps because that will all be bleeped out in a comedic fashion. But I'm drinking. Oh, sorry. What's your first order of business when you get to Berlin? Uh, try to make the apartment comfy because I haven't mm-hmm. lived there in three years. Yeah. Uh, or like three and a half years. And when I'm done my quarantine, I'm um, going to see Aika because he's going back to Austria soon. I'm going to see my brother and his girlfriend. Uh, You're going to do a little rumspringer? <laughs> German rumspringer. Uh, if I can order that 3M filter hood, (laughs) (laughs) that's my dream getting that 3M hood. (laughs) I, the other day got at Lowe's these, uh, 3M face masks that are honestly way too thick. Not only can you not breathe in them, but you also come through so muffled that it's, it's just too much. Like how, how extreme are we going to take it? Like we should be, we should be able to breathe at least in those masks. And it made me think because the other week you told me that, uh, even your dad has some issues breathing in those masks. Yeah. What do people with either? Yeah. No, he's a high performance athlete. Like the last 50 years of his life has been building his lung capacity. Yeah. And he can't breathe through the yeah. FFP2 mask or the N95. <laughs> That's so uh, wild. Um, yeah. Anywho. Well, I uh, I told you yeah. earlier. It was, I can't wait. Uh, it's going to be super warm this weekend. It was one year ago today. Actually, tomorrow that we had our uh, 
the world famous porchetta sandwich at the Vatican City Museum cafeteria. Oh my god, that was amazing. A day to never be forgotten. <laughs> I mean, the pork was just so tender yet crispy at the <sighs> same time, and that Tuscan white bread was just so. Mm, I know. It was hit perfect. The spot. All the toppings. I don't remember. There were condiments on it, but it was just like the perfect sandwich. I was telling my aunt about it because um, she went on a trip to Italy with her sister a few years ago and she was telling me about it. And I said the highlight of our entire month in Italy was that sandwich. Oh, totally. And I even think <laughs> I left a Google review, which I'm happy to look up. <laughs> yes. Uh, post it to our Instagram at uh, thoughts on art. That's thoughts with a zero. I should. Where are my reviews? I have some good reviews throughout history. Sorry, I'm just taking my CBD drops. Is that Martha's? <laughs> and four. Okay. No, I got them at a at a slightly hippie-ish uh, herbal store when I was at that ceramics residency. Mm-hmm. I just love the taste. It tastes so um, hippie-ish. Right. It's like, uh, it's like, I'm assuming this is what like eating linen is like. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I had a really nice birthday week. Yes. I was just going to say happy belated birthday. Thank you. I'm once again, a 30, pick your number. <laughs> 30. 30. My, once again, dirty 30. Um, yeah, we usually go away, um, during this brutal winter, but this time around there was no choice but to stay here. So we tried to make the best of it and Jordan made a really nice dinner for me in my honor. Mm. And, um, yeah, I think I just spent most of the day talking to friends on the phone, which I so rarely do because as funny as it may sound, because I co-host this podcast, I truly hate talking on the phone. Um, it's like, true we never talk on the phone actually <laughs> i just i i hate it it requires so much focus on my part and so it just robs me of the ability to do anything oh, else no. um and like my parents always call me i can't tell if it's because i hate phone calls or because they truly always call me in the worst possible moment <laughs> like mid-text message or like watching an unimportant video on youtube that it appears very crucial and important at, at that moment Anyways, I hate talking on the phone, but for some reason, I spend most of my birthday talking to good friends in Israel on the phone, um, and it was really nice. And then we got some German food for dinner, which was nice. I got a four sausage platter with uh, Ugh, my friend, which was yummy. Our toes froze. Um, yeah, I saw the indoor, or sorry, the outdoor dining photo. Yeah. I mean, those overhead heaters were way too small for the weather. <laughs> um yeah they need that heated sidewalk like madonna has in front of her upper east side double wide townhouse totally (laughs) um yeah now i'm just ready to embark on uh this new adventure Mm. of my new Mm. year so exciting yeah not only is it lunar new year year of the ox but year of the gooberstein thank you i don't know what that means but i'll take it (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I only wish I was uh, eligible or interesting enough or successful enough to have made it onto the Time 100 Most Influential <laughs> People's List that was just sorry, published. The next, the Time Next list. Oh, sorry. Um, should we um, skim? Should we skim it for some highlights or lowlights? Lowlights, yeah, basically. <laughs> Wait, I gotta pull up the link and let me get go into incognito mode because it requires some like heavy duty <laughs> subscription. God. Oh, uh, sorry, I'm like googling it. Um. Anyway, so when I clicked on this at first, I was like, "Oh, it's you know like a thirty under thirty list." Yeah. And then you see multiple middle aged plus people. Um, people already at the top of their game in their field. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Steve Kornatskis of the world, the Ben Sasses. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's multiple covers. I think there's six different covers, one featuring Dua Lipa. Also, I recognize about 2% total of people listed like yeah, I, out of the six uh, cover, different covers um, for this feature, there's Dua Lipa, which I know, Sana Marine, no idea who that is, Marcus Rashford, which I'm assuming is a foot soccer player because he's like leaning on a soccer ball, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Britt Bennett, no idea who that is. Um, Telfar Clemens, I know. Um, this person the last person i can't even pronounce her name sorry i don't want to get canceled so i won't even try to pronounce <sighs> her name um anywho so the times chose uh what they consider to be the next 100 most influential uh, people in different fields from the arts to like political advocacy to health organization etc etc i guess uh two years ago was it greta thunberg who was a uh, selected person of the year I think so. Yeah. But this is the what. next 100. Yeah. It's like whatever that means. <laughs> I mean, like I said, there's a uh, 60-year-olds on here. So it's not like yeah. a I don't know. It's it seems all over the place. It is all over the place. Let's uh let's see some some uh what our highlights and lowlights might be. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> Also, just uh, structurally speaking, uh, the vast majority of people featured here were, I can't tell if they were sponsored by a different person or nominated by a different person because those uh, blurbs were written by like prominent, well-known peers. Yeah. But not all of them, which is a little, uh, as the Germans say, merkwürdig. Yeah. Well, okay. One that I really actually appreciate that comes up in the artist listing is Shira Haas, uh, who was nominated by Deborah Feldman. Uh, Deborah Feldman wrote Unorthodox, which was her memoir about escaping a Hasidic community in Williamsburg and moving to Berlin, and it got turned into a Netflix series, uh, which was created by uh, a friend, Alexa um, oh, Karolinski. Jordan and just came home. Hi, Jordan. He's going to be quiet. <laughs> it's okay. He can make a impromptu cameo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you were, you were saying, keep on. Yeah, so uh, Shira Haas was in 
uh, Unorthodox on Netflix, which mm-hmm. I really loved. And she was amazing. Like she was by far the best person in that entire series. And that's an actor who I was not familiar with before, who's, you know, up and coming. And I think that is legitimately someone who's interesting in kind of arts and culture mm-hmm. on this list, who isn't, uh, you know, already blown up and huge and already right. on here. Honestly, coming from Israel, I truly can't explain the fascination with anything orthodox or sort of this, uh, you know, go-to fantasy of, you know, escaping that community or being, you know, excommunicated or sort of, uh, you know, dipping your toes in, in the world outside of those communities. There's just, there's such an abundance of shows. Yeah about this topic personally it doesn't interest me because i grew up in israel so like yeah uh, it's just seems like a low-hanging fruit to me i also (laughs) don't watch tv uh i'll just preface by saying that but i'm sure the show's great yeah no the show's good uh i find it interesting the way that these other stories about like you know amish people or mennonites or sorry hutterites in manitoba (laughs) (laughs) These stories have also been addressed, like uh, Miriam Taves, uh, I forget the book, but it was like a huge bestseller, and it was about like a Hutterite community in Manitoba. I guess it's, it's just, it's, uh, um, it's, it's something such a, fam- yeah, it's such a liberal fantasy, sort yeah. of curi- curiosity. But I guess it is this idea, like, you know, like Hutterites for me, like, I don't mean to like fetishize it or anything, but... It is interesting that it's someone so close to your community, mm-hmm. but you know, like uh, they live outside the city, like outside of Winnipeg, they come to the city, but they really choose to close themselves off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I know people who have left the community where they like weren't allowed to have a phone or like computers or TVs and then are like, okay, I'm over this. And then, you know, have just abandoned it and live in the city and, have their kind of 2020 life 2021 lifestyle i guess i i do understand the fascination to a certain extent because uh i don't know about you but i sort of daydream sometimes about a world where i completely just you know sign off and live off the grid for yeah not permanently because that'll just be unbearable but uh just like a day without i don't know instagram or yeah the news which have uh is becoming less interesting like i find myself you know with the same habits of uh, of like the trump era only that there's really nothing to like read now so like refreshing over and over again just doesn't yield <laughs> anything of interest yeah really. um well uh in a, in other israeli related or jewish related news or not news but uh someone who was featured on the list is hunter schaefer um who's a great actor i enjoyed euphoria and the connection i'm making here is that the original euphoria was uh was an israeli show from like Ah, that's right from like 2005 or something Uh, and i remember watching it when i was uh i guess i was still living god i'm getting all the dates mixed up now i remember watching the original the the like the american remake was not that terrible and hunter schaefer's really noteworthy i really love her in that show uh but the blurb was written by zendaya who just goes by zendaya (laughs) (laughs) and uh this whole list kind of makes you wonder like who who are those sponsors 
Yeah. Like because what? like when you go further down the list, mm-hmm. um Jennifer Lopez, you know, uh multi hyphenate Marvel writes about Charlie De Amelio, like that obnoxious that? uh TikToker. The one that had controversy recently because her and her sister were being ungrateful in front of their like personal chef. Uh-huh. And they're basically going to be like the new Kardashians. Essentially they're getting a reality show and basically they're half our age, but look our age or older. They're like, yeah, yeah. They look zaftig and <laughs> matronly. Yeah. Like sun damaged and like they look like Juliana Margulies, but she's like in her fifties. Yeah. Um, also, why was Steve Kornacki nominated or sponsored by Rachel Maddow, whose show he's on? <laughs> like, could you also at least- can they cancel her, her already? What does she have to offer? Like, yeah, totally. I mean, now that Steve Trump's Korn- gone, Steve Kornacki is like you know he's the, the numbers guy, so like there's definitely a utility for him, and he's like an altogether like doesn't take himself too seriously. But Rachel Maddow is such a fucking hack. Yeah, such a hack. Uh, also in the artist category, I would just like to point out that there are no women visual artists. Mm-hmm. Um, bye. But, uh, that was, uh, balanced out by two POC visual artists. So I guess that's sort of, yeah, but where are the women? Yeah. No women contributing. Um, it's funny that the two visual artists who are featured on this list weren't the the blurb wasn't written by any like anyone um, or like contributor or makes you wonder if it's not just a PR yeah stunt because oh no there is a writer but it's someone internal I guess like someone a staff writer or something someone who processed the gallery email that (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) included the press text well they probably googled hot artist 2021 because again like I said it's like these are people essentially at the top of their game like of course one of the only way up but like one of them is the other is to i don't know how to be gentle about it but like the meteoric rise is sort of akin to the like the south african variant but it might as well just (laughs) die down as fast as it rose yeah uh i mean visual artists i think the selection should have been different than like a pop star because actually in pop music or the record business, a record company could spend tens of millions of dollars or hundreds of millions on promotion. And it doesn't mean it's going to force people to like an artist. Otherwise but, they mean, would have you, like a 100% success rate. But what do you, what do you think? Uh, you don't think that's uh, applicable to these two visual artists who made it on the list. You don't think there's a sort of heavy PR sort of uh, effort behind it. No, I think there definitely is, but it's it's so market driven. It's like like I think people genuinely like love Dua Lipa, like she's a big star. People choose to engage whereas I think the two visual artists, it's very much about the market and speculation collectors. Yeah. It's not that like, oh, this is like some new and exciting visual form or something in contemporary painting it's just like they're hot they did a dior collaboration like 
And to be honest, I, I don't even think the Duo Lipa was, you know, that consistently good. Like, there's a couple of uh, some of the singles uh, from uh, the self titled album I like and the yeah. Calvin Harris uh, collab, but like, I think she's um, maybe a little too famous compared to the quality she brings to the table. Yeah. I just don't, no, don't find myself sort of returning to her bangers. Yeah. Also, it was really her year because everyone else took a breather because of Corona. Right. You know, they like postponed their albums, their tours, et cetera. Whereas she still released the album, did all those at home performances on the late night shows mm-hmm. and really played the game. Um, I honestly, I think Miley and The Weeknd were probably the best uh, in the field to have, you know, stayed active throughout COVID. No, it's true. They were both very good. And, and also just one, one last thought about two visual artists being featured on this list, like in the same um, sort of category with pop stars and country singer and whatever. Like it's a little telling that you you sort of consider this field of arts um I don't know, either comparable or like, you know, belonging in the same kind of attention span mentality of pop stars, basically. Because I, my instinct would be not to put any visual artists like next, uh, uh, next to, you know, pop stars, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. No, because then the metric, it's like, like I said, it's like, oh, you did a Dior collaboration. That's a metric of success to, the editors or time or whatever it's right. not it's not like a something more ephemeral or yeah it's very market driven or capitalist i'm glad amanda gorman made it onto the list uh yeah. short love notice. her sponsored, love amanda gorman sponsored by the extremely annoying lin-manuel miranda <laughs> don't love him <laughs> like could i get that he's at the top of his game but could associating with him potentially tarnish your reputation just because he's so fucking annoying yeah i wonder God. um who else is on the list so steve kornacki uh, who i support um, what else is good um, also these categories are like so nebulous what's leaders thought leaders <laughs> thought leaders like why is ben sass on the list sponsored or like written by Mitt romney you essentially were looking for like you know milk toast republicans who would be willing to um yeah you know throw the whole trump train under the bus uh there's a polish person i'm very familiar with this bart staszewski who's done this lgbt free zone sign project and photo project and brought awareness Mm -hmm to all that drama um so that's a a worthwhile inclusion right why is um, this fucking vladimir tenov on the list the the robin hood guy i guess god like after what went down a few weeks ago like that's yeah. old <laughs> this is such a short attention span list honestly <sighs> like why is john ossoff on the list just because he was god. able to get elected because yeah. trump really fucked up the whole like uh, regional election uh, campaign. Um, who else is on here? Advocates. What does that even mean? <laughs> All right. Time is a boomer publication, and I'm closing the tab. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, where's the one that was sponsored by Madeleine Albright? That's what I want. War criminal Madeleine Albright. <laughs> 
Is she is she trying to push her Herbalife uh, pyramid scheme <laughs> still? Oh God. Okay, closed. Bye. Um, what else did we want to talk about today? Do you have any fun lightning rounds for us? I do. Um, but before I get to that, I just want mm-hmm. to wish you a happy Ash Wednesday. Oh, thank you. I have been feeling particularly ashy today. <laughs> Same. <laughs> uh, too bad it's Corona time and we can't go get ashed along with those hot Equinox fitness bros. Mm-hmm. That we always um, see in New York. Maybe I should leave the house today and see if some people are wearing uh, ash-covered masks. <laughs> Maybe it's a thing. Excuse me, are you a chimney sweep? <laughs> what is what is the what is the ash thing? Explain it to a Jew. I don't know. <laughs> like, I mean, it, the uh, sign of the cross. That I um, that I can figure out for myself. But like, wait, it really, does it have to do with the burning bush? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> is it related to Fat Tuesday, Skinny Thursday? <laughs> Skinny Thursday is what we do in Poland. That's when we eat um, four donuts or ten, as friend of the pod Pshemek, the other Pshemek, uh, did last week. <laughs> Uh huh. Skinny uh, Thursday. Okay, so let me see. Ash Wednesday is a Catholic holy day of prayer and fasting. It is preceded by Shrove Tuesday and falls on the first day of Lent, the six, the six weeks of penitence before Easter. Okay, Lent. Uh, okay, Ash Wednesday derives its name from the placing of repentance ashes on the foreheads of participants to either the words repent and believe in the gospel or the dictum remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return oh i guess that oh, makes sounds sense. new agey yeah um and the ashes are prepared by burning palm leaves okay that makes sense from the previous year's palm sunday celebrations you know it's crazy i so growing up i never knew there was ashing happening even though we were like technically catholic and stopped going to church but I never saw it as a thing. I never saw anyone in the street with it until I visited New York on Ash Wednesday. Yeah, I think it's a it's a bro thing here. Totally, it's uh, those hot Irish Catholics in New York. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm just trying to finish today's spelling bee. I only got oh eight words so far. It's particularly I've difficult. Given up. <laughs> For days, I've given up. I don't have the mental capacity. I'm really worried. Um, have I been poisoned? maybe it's just one of those days where it's very few words so you have to you have to work extra hard yeah um maybe our um, listeners actually this will air tomorrow so it won't help us if our listeners <laughs> chime in and give us some some answers um yeah. okay so our lightning round which is uh one of our favorite segments mm-hmm. the hot topics uh basically of thoughts on art <laughs> so according to our bible artnet news mm -hmm, uh cultural workers are demanding the resignation of the head of the indianapolis museum of art at newfields after the institution advertised that it was looking for a new director who would work to attract a more diverse audience 
<laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to burst out laughing already. <laughs> While maintaining its traditional core white art audience. <laughs> Wait, does that, does that include or exclude the Jews? <laughs> in Indianapolis, it must exclude, I guess. I think there's some Jews in Indianapolis. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there are. Uh, I went to Cleveland once. There were Jews there. Uh-huh. My ex's there, brother. There's Jews everywhere. There's, yeah. Even rural Manitoba in fishing communities. <laughs> and in China. True. Shanghai Jews. Yeah. That's a good name for a band. <laughs> um, I, uh, God. Well, obviously it's uh, abhorrent, uh, taken at face value. <laughs> yeah. It must have been a Freudian slip of like, <laughs> only we're only engaging white people at this museum. Honestly, at this point, with all this sort of running running a tight ship in those institutions in terms of what's correct to say and incorrect to say, I'm sure it was a slip of the tongue that was borne by, you know, the pressure of wanting to say the right thing and just yeah. like scanning every single option that exactly. was inoffensive. Um, it's like that Frasier episode where the two brothers learn for the very first time how to ride a bike and uh, Kramer constantly oh rides the bike into a tree <sighs> because he keeps focusing on the tree and they keep telling him, look away from the tree. It just feels like one of those like deer totally. in a headlight kind of situations. Yeah. Yeah, they could have just said, while maintaining our existing audience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Onwards. <laughs> Next. <Okay. laughs> An air horn. Um, <laughs> in a sign of a changing art world, Freeze will use its per- new permanent space in London to host pop-up exhibitions from international galleries throughout the calendar year. The art fair leased a pair of converted townhouses in December last year, and it has now revealed that they will open as a new hub for international galleries to rent out for short periods starting in October. Okay, I'm curious whether it's a oligarchs-owned townhouse, <laughs> if it's some uh, blood uh, money, weapons, arms dealers yeah. money. Is, um, yeah, yeah. Did they fill out that paperwork where you have to show that it wasn't money laundering money that made uh, the purchase? Yeah, I'm sure there's a vast underground bunker because um, those London townhouses are, uh, you know, famed for their extensive underground uh, facilities and spaces. Yes, as seen in the Abfab film in cinemas. Was there a movie? <laughs> yeah. Really? Kate Moss never- had a cameo. <laughs> huh. I never got into that. It's fun. It's worth watching. I think you would like, enjoy I, it. I know. I, I like appreciate them and I know that they're funny and that it would be my sort of cup of tea, but like I just never got into it. Yeah. Add it to your list. BBC America. Sorry, I've just been too busy watching <laughs> Sex in the City and it's remastered 16 <laughs> oh by 9 God. resolution. I'm so jealous. It's pretty amazing because the previous, like you don't realize how bad it was until you get the improved version uh well i have hbo go europe which is maybe like a third of europe has hbo go mm-hmm. and my copy looks like a 10th generation snuff film <laughs> <laughs> it's it looks really like, bad <laughs> it looks like first season of curb 
It was shot <laughs> yes, on a exactly. hand, handheld like camera. Yeah, on like a on a super eight Sony camera. Which is insane because like Larry David had just come off, uh, you know, sh- shooting, uh, not had just come off, but he was shooting seven seasons of Seinfeld and like knew how to fucking like make a show that looks professional. And all of a sudden he makes Curb and it looks like Candid Camera. <laughs> well, at least now it's like hyper 4K. So it's a little too, it's a little too uh, HD for me now. Like I just don't get, what is it about those shows that are in HD? Is it the frame rate where it just, everything feels like like it's like a home video or yeah. like the, it's you see every fucking pore on the person's face yeah i think it's the frame rate and now it's just the quality is so clear uh, like who needs that yeah exactly it's like for a generation who's truly never been to the movies and like knows what the aesthetics of something that was shot on film looks yeah. like i miss film in a cinema like the video projection looks horrible it's really shitty but aren't the still like the big, uh, like the big budget movies? Don't they shoot them on film? Uh, I think a lot are shot digitally. Some maybe are shot on film, but they transfer it to digital anyway because it's cheaper uh, uh, yeah. for the cinema now. Like I'm sure Christopher Nolan, Nolan, and like yeah. Martin Scorsese and all these people shoot on film still. But I think the big like multiplex chains are just fully digital now because it's it's so expensive to make the print and then ship it. Right. Whereas they just have to download a file. All right. Next, mm-hmm. um, as dealers look to reinvent their businesses, German gallerist Johann Koenig is hiring an auctions <laughs> expert to steer his in-house fair model. It is not possible for a gallery to simply grow by only having their 20 or so artists anymore, says the gallerist Johann Koenig. In a sign of further hybridization of the art market, Gallery Koenig in Berlin has announced a revamped 2021 edition of the in-house art fair that it piloted last year. To oversee the week-long sale of primary and secondary market works, the gallery has appointed an auctions expert to the helm. Um, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but is there a way to like catch a break from hearing the name Johann Koenig for a single week? Like, I <laughs> is there truly so much demand out there for anything that comes out of his mouth or or brain? Because he's just he's omnipresent, like from Clubhouse to all the art news like platforms yeah. to uh, to even New York Times. It's not just like the European art news sites it's he's omnipresent now it's true it's like i've never seen this it's it's obnoxious yeah uh it reminds me of the uh the mantra of ryan serhant from (laughs) million dollar (laughs) listing expansion always in all ways yeah my issue with that quote is uh about like growing like if you're a successful business or a gallery, do you have to be exponentially growing at all times? Like, isn't it no, fine? You, d- you just don't. And I yeah. just do. I truly don't understand. I understand this mentality coming from a business, a pure business perspective, but um, it's just uh, once it passes a certain level, it just becomes really obnoxious, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, because you're not a publicly, publicly traded company. Like, unfortunately in that context you do have to keep growing like that is what shareholders want and you have a duty to them and if you don't you're getting fired 
uh, or they'll sue you. But in a and private also, business. And also, you know, the perpetual expansion of like the mega galleries, just Pace and Gagosian, like it, yeah. at some point it dilutes the brand to be so omnipresent. Yeah. Um, it, it turns you into uh, just like a just like a big franchise brand, basically. Um, yeah. Kind of loses the personality and turns into this like it takes on this like conglomerate sort of persona. Yeah. No, and I know there's a lot of talk in the art world about how the mega galleries are swallowing up the mid mid tier galleries, but I kind of also don't believe that because if you're doing a good job at what you're doing and you have a certain overhead and a certain staff staffing level, like your business should work. You don't need to have 10 locations for your business to not go bankrupt. Well, I think that complaint sort of refers to the fact that mid-tier galleries uh, operate unwillingly as sort of a springboard opportunity for bigger yeah. bigger galleries to snatch, uh, yeah. you know, their rising stars away from them. Oh, definitely. But I mean, and so do like young galleries. Like it's a whole hierarchy. Yeah. But I mean, but then again, I. I'm sure there's uh, one in a one one thousand and one panels on Clubhouse that address this uh, issue. But like, how do you how do you go against something that's just so intrinsic to like not just human nature, but also just it's such a foundation of how businesses sort of run. Like, I I don't see an alternative to that. Like, what stagnation? Yeah. Uh, okay, so onwards. Yet another change in leadership is coming to the Museum of Contemporary Art Los Angeles. Oh, God. (laughs) This week, in an unexpected letter to employees, the institution announced that Klaus Biesenbach will move from his current post as director to that of artistic director, while the museum's board will seek a candidate to fill the newly created position of executive director. By the way, that article had tons of typos. (laughs) Who wrote it? Was it a native English speaker? Yes. (laughs) Uh, So this was clearly a demotion. (laughs) Um, Call it what you will. I yeah. uh, I don't I don't have uh, I don't have many hot takes on Klaus. Like uh, I'll give respect other than the star fuckery. Yeah, that. But just like that, I find pathetic but not necessarily sort of a, a um it's not a like i'm willing to give him a pass for that i guess because yeah. th- there's some like credentialed history there and bono oh, definitely bono he, he is he's one of the founders of uh kunstwerk in berlin yeah um, um and i guess if you're german and moved to new york or la uh you would be starstruck by yeah lana del rey lady gaga james franco Yuck. Courtney Love, Courtney. <laughs> other plastics. Francis Bean Cobain, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I can't even remember like what properly good show he uh, helped mount or curated. MoMA, like I wasn't even in New York when the Marina Abramowitz yeah. uh, show was up. Same. I remember the Hoopla. Oh, I did see that travesty of a Bjork show though. That was a travesty that was just terrible (laughs) that that was terrible that's like one of those things that like um 
whatever the company is that puts together like that Britney Spears exhibition in the zone would do. Oh my God. Yeah. Like remember the Barbie dream house in Berlin? Like one of those companies that like sets up pop-up exhibitions. Like that's what the Bjork show was. Um, actually I'm I'm going through, I'm scrolling through his list, the list of uh, exhibitions on his CV. He's got a pretty impressive CV. Yeah. Um, like Kenneth Anger, Jeremy Shaw, uh, Ryan Tricartin, Corcrit, Bjork, which was a flop, Wild Shocky. Um, what did he do at MoMA? Nan Golden, Yoko Ono. Oh, Jesus. I went to that, uh, we went to that Yoko Ono dinner and she did her shtick where she, like, she, uh, brings onto the stage to, like, um, whatever dynasty vases onto the stage and, uh, oh, and like breaks one of them. Yeah. And then like shatters one of them and then hands out the pieces oh. to audience members and tell them to like reconvene or regroup in like 10 or 20 years after oh. the action. Uh, so actually it's funny that I, I just brought it up because it made me remember that we have that piece at home. Uh, I have an original ah, Yoko Ono. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I'll never forget my first few months in Berlin that first summer uh, where I was standing in the Soho house lobby with Donna and Daphna and she walked out of the elevator and smiled at us and was radiant and glowing. And it was like one of my only starstruck moments in life. It's uh, funny because I have, I have zero appreciation for her, (laughs) you know, stardom. I, I, I recognize her credentials, but neither musically nor artistically, she just doesn't, she does not rock my boat at all. Yeah. And uh, it's just one of those like adjacent sort of stardoms, such as uh, Patti Smith or sort of the stardoms that rubbed yeah. off on you by way of someone a little more prominent or important than you. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Onwards. Yeah. Socialite scammer Anna Delvey is released early. (laughs) The New York State Department of Corrections has released the convicted fraudster, whose real name is Anna Sorokin, on parole. Sorokin was released Thursday from the Albion Correctional Facility, which, did we fact check that? Was that the Martha prison? (laughs) I thought she was a Rikers. Uh, I think that's too hard for her. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, in upstate New York, after having been been given four to 12 years in prison after a lending scheme where she Jesus. pretended to be an art collecting millionaire German heiress who was building a private museum in New York City. I mean, you know, you know, her only fault was the fact that she got caught. Yeah, exactly. How was she doing anything different than all these other art world scammers? Yeah. And she was uh, turned into such an easy scapegoat uh, for all those people who do exactly the same thing and engage in the same shady practices, only there was a face to sort of throw it on now. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, where, where is Albion Correctional Facility? I'm looking it up. Oh, it's like at the, it's at the Canadian border. Oh, sad. Basically. Uh, well, I just have to say caveat emptor. Uh, if you are letting someone put sixty thousand dollars on your work credit card because they'll pay you back you're dumb <laughs> like oh for sure and i also think uh i'm i'm forgetting now who are the more more sort of um you know uh 
who were the more small players who really got hurt by this whole thing. But like most of the people who were involved had all that money to spare and plus. Oh, totally. And they were just thirsty. Yeah. Next. Wait, was she was she Jewish with that last name? I don't think so. I think it's just a Russian. She's not name. related to Aaron Sorkin or <laughs> no. No, no, she was Sorokin. Sorokin. <laughs> I mean Sorokin and Sorkin is the same thing. So many names were either <laughs> yeah. botched or totally. uh, slightly changed over the over time in America. Uh okay, next just in time for Valentine's Day. An artist who's known for toying with his audience on social media has found love with a musician who's an expert in the art of the Twitter feud. That's right. It's 2021 in pandemic America and Ryder Rips is dating Azealia Banks. According to a spree of Instagram stories, the two have been frolicking through sunny Miami Beach, staying at the Versace Mansion and running happily through parking garages and museums. Oh, God. Were they on a meth bender? <laughs> are they there? Uh, are they each other's uh, emotional support pet? I guess she right. has a fetish for uh, twinks with eighty-year-old um, Lower East voice. Side Jew voices. <laughs> <laughs> There's something to be said for the uh, the ebony and ivory attraction of the uh, black to the Jew. There's. Uh, <laughs> There's a storied history of that, of that budding romance. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, good for them. I wish her all the best. All right. Damien Hurst is taking over one of Gagosian's London galleries as curator for an entire year. God. The artist will organize shows of his own work and that of other artists. Honestly, out of all the artists of his tier, he truly strikes me as the most bored. Totally. Like, has literally nothing to do during the day, because even his uh, social media feeds are regurgitations of older works. Yeah. Uh, or him sort of gallivanting in his massive studio with a sad beanie or, like, half-naked uh, with those sad butterfly spiral paintings in the background. <sighs> No, he's depressing. Uh, remember when he dated oh, Lily yeah, yeah. Allen? <laughs> um, okay, this is our last one. According to the boring non-Bible art news, Christie's is making a move into the emerging crypto art market with plans to offer a fully digital work of art making it the first major auction house to offer a piece of this kind for sale. The work, known as an NFT, non-fungible token, is by Beeple, otherwise known as Mike what? Winkleman, <laughs> a net artist and graphic designer who has amassed a large following on social media, producing commercial projects for pop stars and brands like Louis Vuitton and Nike. A Christie's representative called him a leader in the digital art community. Oh, God. Sorry, I just had to look up the word fungible. <laughs> Same. I'm like, like fungus? It's a legal term of goods contracted for without an individual specimen being specified, able to replace or be replaced by another identical item. So basically making facsimiles or like 
making reproducible items. I don't know. I see that Instagram account Artorius posting about these NFTs all the time and uh, every other clubhouse conversation is about this and crypto and the blockchain and I just don't even get it. I still have no idea what all those things mean. Same. Um, And there's like 17 year old artists making tens of thousands of dollars selling these NFT artworks. I guess if you create anything as a vehicle for speculation and money laundering, it'll take off. I just find it so intrinsically boring. Like I'm looking up uh, the upcoming events on Clubhouse today. NFTs and crypto art, the truth behind the hype. What hype? I have no idea what you're talking about. I've had it. (laughs) I'm opening my Clubhouse. Let's see. I just love these messages. They're like, you've invited interesting people. And it's like, yeah, because they're not talking about NFTs. Yeah. Oh, there's another one. NFTs, the Web3 gateway drug that we're about to fuck up. Okay. <sighs> um, Honestly, this this platform is just for people to sort of take you hostage into extremely long conversations that you can't even opt out of properly. Yeah. Um. I just honestly the audio quality kills it for me like if this was just a YouTube conversation or something where people had mics of an acceptable quality like we're using on this podcast which were not that expensive um, that would be fine but it's like listening to a cell phone call from 20 years ago. Yeah, it's like being a CIA or FBI agent (laughs) eavesdropping on someone's convo. And, you know, I'll say it again. I know that you can't deduce it from this format of a podcast, but there's truly nothing I hate more than endless gabbing. (laughs) (laughs) Especially, you know, paired with the American sort of etiquette of uh, politeness and conversation, letting people sort of finish their thought, even though it's really boring or meaningless. It just really overextends conversation beyond their, like, purpose. Totally. Um, yeah, I've just had it with this nonsense. Like, stop trying to reinvent the wheel, everybody. Yeah, Um, it also just clearly seems like a platform where someone's trying to sell you something. Yeah. Um, do we have any interesting listener questions, maybe, in our mailbag? Um, wait, wait, let let me, let me... (laughs) Okay, I finally got in, uh... Mm -hmm. Okay, you I'm dig, passing. I'm passing deep. it to you. <laughs> I'm passing it to you. Can you read it, Amir? <laughs> um, yeah. Where is it? Can you read it? <laughs> I passed it to you. It's halfway oh, I, around the world now. <laughs> <laughs> Where was it passed uh, to? Wait, let me see. I think it's in your um. File facts. One second. <laughs> well, I don't have it here. Okay. While I'm looking for it, um, am I allowed to bring up something that happened this past week? Yeah. <laughs> A copyright takedown notice. <laughs> Somebody was sensitive. Oh, right. Yeah. Somebody was sensitive. I don't want to address this too much, but uh seems like uh, some people have been having issues with our, you know, thoughts on art, essentially. Yeah, our thoughts, um, thought policing us. 
I guess in this day and age, there's only room for positive, constructive thoughts, nothing negative, nothing constructive that's not uh, praiseworthy. Um, people have just become really, really sensitive and also misunderstand the sort of basic concept of every press is good press. Totally. Um, you can't just be surrounded by, you know, sycophants and uh, totally. yes sayers, which yeah. I think is, uh, is at pandemic level in the art world yeah. uh, at this point. Yeah. And um, I would just say if you are now working with a blue chip gallery such as Petzl Gallery, then just be happy. Yeah, exactly. To, you know, have the time to take on any small slight or perceived slight that comes your way and litigating it is uh, yeah. to me an indication that you should really just focus on your work. Mm -hmm. All right. I, uh, the carrier pigeon brought back the eight and a half by 11 sheet I sent you. Uh -huh. uh, so friend of the pod, Sage. Hi, Sage. Hey, Sage. She writes, hi, boys. Greetings from Key West been listening since episode one and love hearing from you both every week it's almost as good as actually spending time with y'all in person that's her y'all not mine yeah, by the way that's her y'all <laughs> she's a yaller <laughs> though admittedly i don't know much about art i do enjoy hearing your thoughts which is what brings me to my question i work in community mental health so i make very little money in exchange for getting my student debt forgiven and I have to use the shitty furniture and scavenged framed art of boats, tropical fish, and other office detritus for my walls. Definitely not my taste, but making do for now. I've been fantasizing about my future private practice office, the chairs, the color palette, the framed diplomas, and would love to know what kind of art you think would go well in a psychotherapist's office. I don't really know where to start looking. I'd love to hear some realistic recommendations for the social worker on a budget, but also if money was no object, what would be some amazing art to see when you walk into your therapist's office? That's a good question, Sage. It is. Thank you for very, that. And very um, thorough. Off the cuff, I think my suggestion would be a really large scale magic eye poster. <laughs> 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 in like a nice color palette to dazzle the eye and uh <laughs> get people to not focus on what you're telling them vice versa <laughs> um i would definitely recommend to steer clear of anything figurative um less to draw too much attention that's what i was thinking yeah same. Also, maybe like a, a good Rorschach like printout Ooh. or something. Actually, that'd be fun. That could be that could be a really good uh, thing on a budget. Like yeah. you could make your own Rorschach mm -hmm. uh, prints, which are very easy. Or you could find some online and print them. You could even print them on canvas. I think that's a good budget thing. Uh, I think another good budget option could be outsider art. Or oh, yeah. especially like created in an art therapy context. Maybe there's a colleague that um, could guide you to that. There is also the outsider art fair. Um, I think where that, you, can, pur where you yeah. can purchase your own Jim Carrey uh, <laughs> sketch. Yeah, an art fair that's mostly of the developmentally challenged 
and Jim Carrey to, to just <laughs> steal the spotlight and the sales. Where you can, where you can purchase an overpriced doodle. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think outsider art or art therapy kind of created work could be interesting. Maybe you can um, uh, maybe you can utilize the local fauna and flora ooh. to make art. Maybe like local Key West. Uh, maybe like lime prints or like Ooh. crabs or maybe like the Hemingway cats or um what else is uh what oh else driftwood is, is there like, driftwood there is that a thing like in the I Keys? can't imagine there's any driftwood on such a re- relatively remote island oh, okay. and also like Key West doesn't have uh, a beach uh you have to drive out like to a, a different key yeah well, if there is some sort of driftwood or something adjacent, that could be interesting. Yeah. Um, Just nothing appropriative of, uh, you know, like Cubans on oh God, yeah. boats making their way to freedom. Yeah. Um, um, unless it's a Cuban sandwich uh, by I'll Al get, Freeman or something. I could <laughs> totally go for a, uh, for a Cuban sandwich I could go right for now. a Cubano as well. Oh yes, or Cuba Libra. Mm. It was so nice. Last time we uh, visited her, we just uh, went all in and had like rum and cigars oh, the whole God, time. Amazing. It was so nice. Um, and I was actually that's where I bought that button-down Hawaiian shirt that I was wearing uh, in a famous picture of me that you took in Rome at the uh, at the what are those steps called again? Of course, I'm forgetting the, now. The Spanish steps the Spanish steps where I uh, reviewed them and gave them two stars out of five (laughs) (laughs) with one thumb down. Disappointing. I remember that. It was really disappointing. It was was so, so um, pedestrian there, like lowbrow. My dad told me that when he was uh, in the refugee camp outside of Rome, they would go to the Spanish steps and one of the guys would use a magnet on like a string to get coins out of the fountain. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Desperate times call for desperate measures. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, Uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, uh, I would love like landscape painting in that context. I find it very soothing and relaxing, not aggressive visually um yeah i would go for anything soothing i think uh yeah. in the abstract realm or yeah um maybe you can make a fire extinguisher process painting <laughs> um a la lucian smith um that's a possibility yeah. it's a fun just, weekend activity <laughs> i just wouldn't want to see any any hot or known artists like some medical professionals have in their practices because oh for sure because to me it's like wait i'm like overspending being here oh exactly (laughs) i always have that thought too i'm like is this procedure you just offered really necessary (laughs) exactly it's like if you could afford this fifty thousand dollar painting uh (laughs) yeah 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 and looking at the state of the art air filtration system and these like super futuristic like scans of your mouth uh these like ai generated scans um i'm like someone's overbilling me here yeah exactly but i would say if there was uh some sort of like dream work or something that i think would look in an office if there was no budget 
uh, I think like a Matisse work or something like Matisse oh, for fruit sure. or things like that, where if you know, you know, but otherwise it's calming and cute. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know it for a fact, but are, you know, early 20th century or mid 20th century paintings, figurative stuff. Was that mostly um, horizontal in dimensions i like can't think of a single sort of landscape dimension matisse or even picasso that was figurative like i can only think of renaissance sort of masterpieces that were uh, you know landscape yeah Um, i feel like probably more were vertical yeah like i'm thinking of these oranges i saw in paris at centre pompadou Right, and that Which was is under, I guess it's. They said it's undergoing renovations now, or they're like, oh, yeah. shut it down for a couple of years. Sad. I want to go. Sad. I uh, yeah, I went there on my bar mitzvah trip with my dad, and I bought Cute. a. I bought a Magritte book. I love that building, except those escalator tunnels are insane. Yeah. A sauna. Oh well, Sage. Uh, I hope we were able to answer your question somewhat. Uh, somewhat sufficiently yes also when you have your private practice office we would be happy to fly into the keys and um make something for you yeah something very sophisticated looking not stressful not stressful you could take out an insurance policy for it for tens of thousands of dollars (laughs) your interest will grow you will never have to pay your debtors back anymore and we could get you a New York Times feature um, about your collection. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Speaking um, of the New York Times, I just have to give another shout out. I know mm-hmm. I am biased and give her many shout outs because she's a friend, but it's well-deserving. Um, friend of the pod, Divya Mera, is in the New York Times today, which is huge and crazy. Congratulations. Congratulations, Divya. Uh, so check it out. It's uh, at the top of the art section and uh, it's talking about her work and her show at Night Gallery right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, check it check out. Check it out. And if you're in New York, this is the last weekend of my show uh, at Broadway Gallery. I have a piece there. Come check it out. It's a fun show. Um, it's in Tribeca. And um, that's uh, that's it uh, from my end. Amazing same here Alrighty. well i guess next time we uh record this episode you'll be in berlin yes i will actually be in berlin because right now i'm still in poland maybe we'll get some like different ambient noise in the background (laughs) some some germans yelling at each other (laughs) some uh someone wearing high heels inside and clacking above me oh for sure it'll for sure happen um some loud oh. sex in the Innenhof. Oh my god, has also happened. <laughs> Not for my end. Um, also, I am going to order another mic so we can have guests on. Oh, we should do that, yeah. And so if anyone has suggestions for Berlin guests who would actually be into it and who are funny and have a personality... Maybe uh, on Koenig, I hear he likes to talk. God. <laughs> um, yeah, so <laughs> I'm going to get another mic, and I figured out a way to 
record two USB mics into one computer. Oh, amazing. Yeah, we yeah. should totally do that. Yeah, I think it'd be fun. Cool. Well, it was nice chatting with you, as Nice always. chatting with you. Um, I'll talk to you next week. Okay, talk to you soon, Amir. Bye. Cheers. Cheers.